this is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I have a wealth mentor on the show, which is so awesome. I've actually seen you on YouTube for a little bit and really noticed you recently when your video popped up. You have almost 100,000 views on your video. That's the most recent one, which we, of course, are going to talk about. But I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Tiffany Thomas. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to chat with you. So you've actually achieved a huge milestone in becoming a millionaire before you turn 40, which is hashtag goals. Hello, that's amazing. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things I've been doing on my podcast is jumping right into some really juicy questions. So the first two questions are about regrets and things that are related to money that you regret. So we'll start with what is something in your life that you've spent money on, whether it's a purchase, an experience, a product that you really regret? It was the worst financial thing that you spent money on and you wish you could take it back to this very day. Yes. So that would be the car that I purchased most recently, just a couple of years ago. And I actually did a video about this as my mm -hmm. worst financial mistake. Um, but yeah, I was on, like I knew about financial independence and retiring early. And I still made the mistake of purchasing a really expensive car that I didn't yes. really need. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, that would be my purchase that I still regret today, unfortunately. <laughs> so, okay, this is interesting because usually in the like personal finance space, people say that like when you buy a car that is way too expensive, it's usually because you don't know all the things yet. You don't know about the depreciation. You don't know about like all that. But you, you knew well and good. You've been in this financial independent space for a while. So what was like, what was the motivate? Like, did you just fall into temptation? Like, I just really want this car. Like what was, what happened? Um, so the other car that I had, I was planning on keeping that one forever. And I loved that car and it got totaled. And luckily I wasn't in the car and I was just fine. But I had like, I felt like I had a short period of time to buy a new car. And so I had asked, you know, friends and family and everyone's like, oh, just get a really good car that's, um, you know, like has luxury things in it, like the leather seats or whatever. And, you know, have it be newer so there won't be as many repairs. And I, yeah, and then I just felt this pressure that, okay, well, I only have this other rental car for a week. And so I just need to get something right away. And so I just, yeah, I kind of succumbed to that pressure pressure um, yeah. Uh, yeah of like people telling me what to do and trying to help right they don't right. they didn't know better but right. um yeah I'm just feeling the pressure to get one really fast instead yeah. of taking a step back and just That's yeah processing that point. it's a great point that you make about the conditions, the environment in which you are making a financial decision because I feel like one of the things that I have gotten better at is forcing myself to pause because I know that when I'm making a financial decision in a, in a pressure, like you have to decide by 5 PM or you have to decide by Thursday because you have to return the car. Like those environments make me make the worst financial decisions because I, I feel the stress kind of just like, uh, I'm just going to make a decision. I don't care. And I don't do my due diligence and like actually sit with myself about is this what I really want my dollars to go towards or am I just doing it because the time crunch and because of whatever, all the other pressures. So that's a really good point. You know, people out there listening probably relate to this, but if you don't try to reflect and I bet you, you will find times where you made the decision to do something financially because it was like time pressure. But if you take your time with it, you generally make better decisions. <laughs> generally. Right. Right. 
it's a good okay, reminder so, for me. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And especially for you, like somebody like you, like you're already successful. You've already been, you know, in the financial space, and, you know, clearly aware of all the financial um, education and liter- all the financial literacy, the things that a lot of people don't aren't aware of, you know, like you have so many videos about this stuff on your YouTube channel and you have, um, you know, on Instagram as well, like you post so much content. So it's not that you didn't know it's that our brains are funny that way. You will still be in moments where you're in, you know, you're like, I just, I gotta just make a decision quick or this pressure or whatever. And you are never too above it. No matter how much you know, how much you learn, we're all human. So I, I like that, that reminder. Don't think that just because you know a little about money, you read a couple books, you coached a couple people, that doesn't mean that you are free from all money mistakes. Right, definitely. And yeah, just to go along with that, no one is perfect. And even mm-hmm. though we know a ton about money, we still make mistakes. That doesn't mean right. we're completely off the path. It's a mistake. We can still learn from it and continue to move forward. Exactly. I love that. So, okay. So in that same vein, a time where you made a purchase or you had an experience that cost a hell of a lot of money, like a lot of money, and other people might look into your situation and reflect and be like, girl, you are crazy. Like that is way too much money to spend on that thing. I wouldn't do it, but you stand by it. You're like, no, that decision, I would actually make it again because I'm really firm in that decision that I made, even though it was costly. Um, So my last property that I purchased um, just a couple years ago, actually, that same year that I bought a new car. Um, it was, the market was really high and people were kind of, I don't know, just kind of skeptical about investing in the real estate market. And I was like, no way. Like, I know this is a good investment. I've run the numbers. And even if the the real estate market does tank, it's fine because I'm holding that property for the long term and renting it Mm. out. So it was quite a bit more expensive than, you know, the year before and, and the year before that. But I mean, the real estate has market has still gone up in Utah. That's where I live and invest in real estate. Um, but even if it hadn't, I still would stand behind my purchase because I'm holding that for the long term. So that was a good decision that I made in that same year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. And I wonder if maybe that like, it's kind of like a seesaw, like on one end, you made this really strong decision you're so freaking sure of yourself. You ran the numbers. You're feeling so good about that real estate investment, no matter what the, you know, you know, relative to the previous year, what the prices were. So maybe on the flip side, right, the other side of the seesaw, you're like, so I can afford to be a little whatever with my car, you know, maybe it was that like checks and balances thing that allowed you to feel like I'm checking myself here so I can get a little, I can get away with a little bit when it comes to the car. I actually purchased the car before I purchased the property. <laughs> Um, trying to help you out, so, I know, I know, <laughs> and I want to take it, but I, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I love that. Yes, but girl, just, honesty is key. <laughs> um, it just goes to show, like, even though I made the mistake earlier in the year, I was like, no, I know this purchase that I'm going to make now is the best purchase. Like, right. I've learned yeah. from my mistakes before and yeah. and can go ahead with with this purchase. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you, you did all of the work that you need to do, like you ran your numbers, you did the research. And I think oftentimes those are the types of decisions where it doesn't matter what people say. You feel, you know what you know, you've done your work. And so, you know, I'm sure that that was a lot that made it even easier for you to go ahead and move forward with the real estate move. Um, 
Okay, so people probably listening are like, wait, hold up a second. This girl's buying new cars. She's investing in real estate and she's not even 40 yet. What is your life story, girl? So tell us about, um, maybe let's start, let's go backwards. Maybe let's start with the work that you do now. I mean, I know that you're not working corporate anymore. You've not been for a few years, but tell us about like your most, like the recent career moves and what you do now. I started my own business about four years ago now. And I help people become better with their money, learn to manage it better and learn to invest it so they can become financially free at a young age. And that's really my focus is just, yeah, trying to break things down as simply as possible regarding your money and helping them especially learn to invest that money. Because if you keep it in savings, you won't be able to become financially free because your money won't be working for you. And that was part of my struggle, like growing up was I was really good at saving, but not really good at investing. So that came a little bit later. And just seeing that progress, I just thought I need to help people with this. I need to, yeah, help them learn to invest their money so that it can work for them so that they can stop working if they want to at least have the option to stop working. They don't necessarily have to. Right. That's the key is that you have a choice. It sucks when you're in a position where you don't you don't have financial choices. You just have to go to work. You have to do this thing. You have to uh, pay these certain bills and try to get out. I mean, you, when you're in that situation where you don't have choice, that's where I feel like a lot of people lose a little bit of financial dignity. And um, yeah, it kind of takes a toll, I think, a little bit, even on your mental health, that you feel that you don't even have power or control over your own finances. And that messes with your head. So I, I love that you're saying it's, there's even people out there doing the right thing in terms of saving money, which a lot of people don't do. Even if you have that right, that's like that's like a baby learning to crawl. Yay, it's great. But we got to get you walking, girl. We get like that's 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 just the beginning. And I, so I think that's a great. Um, you know, quick story. I'm curious because you grew up in Utah and, and I work in financial education. So I happen to know Utah was actually the first state in the United States to pass uh, a financial literacy requirement in every single high school. Now, I don't remember when it was. So did you, I'm curious, did you go, when you went to high school, did you go to high school in Utah? I did. You did. Did you get a full semester required class that you had to take before you graduate that was all personal finance? No, I did not. So that was started a lot later. After yeah. you graduated. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious because I know, actually, now that I think about it, I feel like w- what happened in Utah was actually a result of some of the um, legislators, like some of the politicians, local politicians in, in to Utah said, look at what happened in 2008. You know, our people in Utah here are struggling, and that means that we need education. So I think it came from the 08 crisis, which, you know, obviously we weren't in high school in 2008. So that makes sense. <laughs> um, Cool. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about before you, you know, started working, decided to get your own business, decided to kind of go your own route and teach others about wealth building. What early memories do you have about money? Like any early money lessons that you learned? Like, you know, I always find that like people who talk about money and teach others about money, there's this perception that they have always had money together. And I I really don't feel like that's true. And I I bring it up in every podcast episode because I just want people to really have it top of mind. Anybody, like you said, can make a mistake. Anybody can, you know, um, just kind of go back and and, and do some uh, and have a hiccup and do something that they maybe aren't, you know, super proud of later when they reflect on it. But I find that a lot of the things that we do, especially financial decisions that we make, actions that we take financially, root back to and connect back to, some of those early money lessons sometimes, especially I think the mistakes. Uh, so yeah, just tell us about like growing up in Utah. What was that like? And maybe in your home, what was it like? Did you talk about money or not? And you know, who managed the the household finances? Give us a picture of that early life. So I 
remember a specific day when my mom had set me down and she went over how to balance a check register, um, Mm -hmm. balance the checkbook. And yeah, it opened my first checking account and she was like, okay, we're sitting down and you're going to learn how to balance this. So So much fun. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, But she was good that way. And she actually worked for a credit union for a long time. Um, So she had that knowledge. And my dad was actually the one that paid the bills. And we didn't talk about money all the time. Um, And I knew it was important to to save money. Um, But we didn't really talk much about investing money. And my parents were pretty frugal. Um, I I grew up middle class. And, you know, they really emphasized that saving portion of things. Um, So I think that's part of why I was so good at, at at least saving my money because that was enforced in my home. And, you know, there were things like, oh, make sure and turn out the lights. Like I was constantly told, you know, turn out the lights when you leave the room. Like yes. we have to save that money. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So there was kind of that aspect where my mom, I feel like she was still good at money, but my dad mainly handled the finances. And they actually had two separate checking accounts. I remember my mom had her own and then my dad has his own, but she had access to his as well. And he probably had access to hers, but they kind of kept a few things separate that way, but not completely separate. Um, That is, that is, ooh, man, they were before their time, they were ahead of their time with that one right there. Because I mean, one of the things I'm big on, I don't generally talk about this a lot. And I have invited my boyfriend on the show, on my YouTube show, um, but I feel like I'm really big on that. Like in relationships, still having your own thing. Like I'm not, I don't think it's a bad idea to merge finances in, in, you know, with when you're in a relationship, especially if you're married and you want to just make things easy. But aside from that merged account, like I'm so big on each person still having their own money separately. Like that's just a big thing. I don't know if I will ever merge bank accounts with my boyfriend and I don't know if I will, um, you know, ever like if we ever did get married, like I don't think I would ever do that. But I know I will always, always have my own account in my own name. And I'm not adding anybody to that one. Maybe there's another one that we share, but I just, I don't know. It's something about in my bones that you've got to have your own funds and you have to have something that allows you to be independent if, if anything were to go wrong. And I think I'm that way as well. Like I can see us merging finances and, you know, taking care of the bills and things together. But yeah, I would still want just my own checking account, having my own funds, like you said. In case anything did happen and, you know, hopefully it wouldn't, but you never know. And it's just nice to still keep on top of your money. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few reasons too. I mean, one of the things as you're describing it, like just in case anything happened, obviously you wouldn't want something to happen. That's the same reason why we get health insurance. The same reason why we get life insurance. The same reason why you have car insurance. You're not hoping for something bad to happen. You are actually just like, preparing in case it does that's just a safety precaution so I, I think generally that it's I want to think of it as like insurance so if anybody out there is like cringing like oh no girl I just want to merge my finances with my husband and then make it easy it's like sure but like you know also think of insurance for yourself too you never know it's great that you had that example at home of like that equitable environment the way they set that up right um, I think that's a beautiful thing to, to witness at a young age because you carry it through and it's it's smart. It's a great thing to model. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your brand and the work that you've been doing now um, as, a, as a wealth mentor. That's kind of a unique title, I think. And, and tell us a little bit about the projects that you're created for yourself and the work you're involved in now. Uh, 
Yeah, I have um, my website. And so I have a couple of courses on there, how to buy your stock, um, how to buy your first stock in 40 hours and then a budgeting course. And I kind of just like to keep things as simple as possible um, because I feel like money can become overcomplicated really quickly. But yeah, I kind of just break it down. So, you know, if someone is interested in investing in their first stock, then I have a course that just breaks that down really simply. And I feel like once people get started with that, then they continue to do it, right? They continue to grow in their investments. Um, And then I've also written a book and it's called Financial Freedom for Females, Money Habits to Change in Your 30s to Become Financially Free. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I've written that. And then I have my YouTube channel, which I love doing. And I watched a ton of your videos as well. Um, But I just, yeah, (laughs) I love providing that free content for people just being able to help educate them or even inspire them in some way, you know, help them become better with their money. So I love sharing on YouTube and yeah, just providing that free educational content. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, I got to keep it free, at least a a lot of it, because it's there's I'm sure one point where in my in my my current position, I haven't monetized a lot of the work that I do through Miss Be Helpful. I've kept it all free up to this point. Eventually, there's going to be a point where I'll probably need to think about monetizing it if I want it to keep growing um, or to be able to sustain me. But I think there's there's so much value that you can add to somebody's life by offering them this type of education for free. And, and but, but at the same time, I always wonder about people who post um, content about finances, because obviously you care about money and you want to make money. But talking about money and especially opening up about your own money is such a taboo thing. Like nobody wants to talk about their money mistakes. Nobody wants to, you know, reveal their finances and talk about the accounts they have and how much and what they're doing. They're, it's so taboo. I feel like that's not something that was really modeled for most people. So what actually got you to the point where you were like, I need to do this work, like this public facing work. Like I need to create content about money, talk about my own money and also build an entire platform where I help other people with money too. Cause it's just such a rare thing. I feel like most people are like, no, 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 no. Money is not, I'm not going to talk about my personal money stuff. Yeah. And it was hard in the beginning for me to open up that way, but I just yeah. kept thinking if I can help just a few people become better with their money um, through learning through my mistakes um, or the educational content that I have, then it's going to be worth it. And money will be with us our entire lives. It's not mm. something that's going to go away tomorrow or in 10 years. It's always something that we're going to have to deal with or handle or manage. And so I just think it's really important. And yeah, the more I thought about it, I just kept thinking, oh, well, if people know what my mistakes are, like if it helps them in some way, then I'm going to share it. And I'm Mm -hmm. really glad that I have, even though, you know, there's some negative comments on there. I can't believe I did that, whatever. But the the positive feedback is definitely greater than the negative. And so I really feel like it's been worth it. And Yeah. yeah, just to be able to help people and the more they can relate to you, then I think the easier it becomes Mm -hmm. for them to to learn from you um so yeah that's kind of the reason that that I did it just being able to to help people and hopefully you know they can relate to me in some aspect so they can become better with their money It, it that relatability is so important you know being able to see yourself like other little girls growing up in Utah need to be able to see your story so they can be like oh 
I can have my, you know, be a millionaire before I turn 40. Like I coming from Utah, like that, those types of things are so important. And I, that resonated with me so much that like, I felt like I had to share my story so that other people could see it and get that inspiration. Um, and same thing for my podcast. Like, why did I start having these conversations? Because people need to hear these conversations and feel inspired. Otherwise you'll just be at a standstill. You'll just be stuck. And, and especially with money, because money's so hard. Um, but, it's, you know, it's it's easier, I would say, to start saving up your money because what you see is constant upward direction. You just, the more you save, the more your bank account grows. And the hardest jump, which you kind of alluded to, is making the jump from saving money to investing money because investing money involves risk, whereas saving money in a savings account, there's no you know risks that they tell you you have to take when you put your money in there. So interesting that you kind of like really started to focus on generating wealth and building wealth through investing, both in the stock market and real estate. When you are more of like an inherent saver, you, you you're more like that. Your personality is more to just save up money and feel good about your cash. So when you when you kind of like made that transition over. How did you start learning about investing? Like, there's so much information out there. A lot of it is confusing. If there's people listening that are like, I want to be like her. Like, I want to learn about that. Like, what were the resources? How did you just even get started and transitioning to somebody who's confident in investing so much so that they teach other people now how to do it? it yeah, it was still just seeing the value drop, like you said. It's still a scary thing. But just trying to take a step back and think, all right, I'm not planning to sell right now. I don't have to sell this property. So I can continue to live in it. And I do have a place to live. And luckily I did have roommates. So, you know, in case I lost my job or something, then I would at least have some income coming in. Um, but it's still, I mean, it still scares you a little bit when you see things like that, but it's nice yeah. to know, okay, I can keep the long-term perspective and yeah. relax a little bit <laughs> and, yeah. you know, take a deep breath and, and be okay. Um, but yeah, going through that and then even deciding to invest in real estate later, knowing that there could be another huge drop or a huge mm -hmm. crash that could happen. I still feel okay about it because I kept that long-term perspective. I thought, all right, I'm just planning on keeping this new property that I'm buying for the long-term for, I don't know how many ever years. And that way, you know, it won't be as scary if the real estate market does crash again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just kind of starting small. And that's when I bought my second property, it was just a two bedroom, two bath condo. So it wasn't something huge that felt overwhelming. It was right. a smaller property. I could do less for the down payment and it was pretty easy to manage because it has an HOA. So I don't have to do any yard work or anything like that. Nice. And so, yeah, just kind of starting small really helped me to go bigger later on. Yeah. And I think that's key, just taking a small step forward with investing, and then you can continue to improve upon your investments and grow them over time. That's fine. That makes a lot of sense. So your first, um, I guess, taste of investing money in, in, in hopes that it will grow much more than it was growing in the bank was through real estate. And then later on, did you go ahead and invest in the stock market? Yeah, I did. And again, I started small. I just bought one stock and then I bought <laughs> a couple more and then a few more shares of, of you know, the same stock and continue to grow that over time. And yeah, the combination of those two has worked really well for me. And, and that's why I like both of them so much. Um, and, you know, even though we saw that huge drop early or, you know, March-ish last year yeah. with the COVID, um, you know, I was still glad that I had invested in the stock market. And 
you know, if you keep that long-term perspective, like I mentioned, then you're able to take advantage of that. So I put even more money in instead of pulling money out when it had taken a dip. And now, you know, we've seen that go back up. Yeah. yeah, Just that concept is, it's one of the ones that it almost like doesn't feel natural, you know, to put more money into the market while it's dropping or when it dropped, it's like, it kind of goes against your gut, which is to like pull money out and save it and like not put, not add anything new, you know, but I've, in so many of the books that I've read, there's so many analogies. I think one of the best ones that I can think of is, um, in the simple path to wealth, he talks about it as, um, if you were to go shopping and you were to see that this item costs too much money. And so you're like, Oh, I can't buy it. I'll just come back another day. And then you come back and it's on sale. You know, so what do you do? Like, if you have enough money, you could buy multiple, like you can buy more than one and get it for half the price or whatever the sale price is and get that discount. And then eventually you come back to the store again. And guess what? The sales is gone. The sales over. So, but you were able to take advantage and purchase something that the value is going to go back to regular price eventually. And you bought it when it was on sale. Like if we were able to learn stuff like analogies like that and understand it in, in that context. I think more people would understand that investing does come with some risk, but you know, the risk reward, uh, the balance between risk and reward is what makes it worth it. And you just have to understand the level of risk that you're willing to take or that you can stomach and make those, those moves. Maybe, you know, somebody out there listening might think, Oh no, Tiffany's bucking. She bought one stock. That's that's scary. Okay, fine. Well then get started with mutual funds or index funds instead, or maybe get an exchange traded fund that has a whole, you know, hundreds of thousands of stocks in it, but everybody at least getting started a little bit is how you learn. So I think it removed the fear and the unknown that you had by just just starting, even if it was just a little bit. And then, you know, you slowly grow from there. Definitely. And yeah, you said it perfectly. That's definitely how you learn. You just start and you can start small and then continue to increase that over time. Exactly. Makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been so fun. Oh, goodness. Okay, so you talked about your book and you talked about your YouTube channel. Um, Any other things that you want? I mean, we're going to talk about one last question that I really want. I want to know your money motto. But before I get to it, just like any other, um, you know, major things that you're excited about that you're working on that you might want to share with the um, listeners or people watching on YouTube? Yeah, there's one other thing. I'm working on another book. And this is going to be Ooh. kind of my signature book. So it'll be my journey to financial freedom. Uh, so yeah, I'm working on that and that will come out soon. I don't have an exact date. I'm still in the process of writing, but yeah, it's, I'm excited about it. So that should be, that's really cool. Yeah. You know what I will recommend to you guys? Um, there's a great video. It's literally has almost hundred thousand views and I kind of mentioned it already, but if you are interested to just like get to know Tiffany's story deeper than what we talked about here, she has a video called how I became a millionaire at 40 fire movement. And it is a really great video. I mean, it's like 20 minutes, but if you put it on 1.5 or two X, you can watch it in less time. And it is so informative just in terms of like her starting in her teens, working through all the different phases of her life, getting to the point where she was able to, you know, quit a corporate job in her mid thirties and focus on building that wealth. So much more in in her later 30s um to get to the point where she is today because I, I mean i just know that a lot of people listening are probably like out the gate tiffany's talking about real estate and stock investments and that's just i'm not even at that level yet okay but tiffany has put in a lot of work so if you watch that video you just get so much more context about how you started and where you were um so i, I thought that was a great video and um you know obviously it's doing well for a reason so definitely i recommend that that was a great one thank you 
<laughs> All right. So it's time for the money motto. So you can call it money motto, money mantra, money message. Basically, what I've been doing with all the guests is I take a dollar bill and I just digitally take away the picture of George Washington and I put your picture on it and I put your money mantra over it. And the idea is that every time people are transacting, I mean, you know, not anymore these days, we don't really use cash, but when people used cash, it would it would exchange a lot of hands, you know, before it got to you. So how could you make sure that everybody who touches that dollar bill, transacts with that dollar bill, gets the message that you really want them to get about money. And so, you know, putting it right on that dollar, make sure that everybody's going to see it. So what would your money mantra be? I've thought about this a lot and I'm going to go with this one. Financial freedom is the best thing money can buy. I can't remember where I first heard that quote or something like it, but I don't know. That's been impactful for me. So every time you spend that dollar bill, you can think financial freedom is the best thing money can buy. Is this getting me closer to financial freedom or is it taking me further away from financial freedom? Yeah, I like that model a lot, too, because it makes it very clear that when you're buying something, you could either be buying financial freedom or you could be buying this thing that you're buying now instead. <laughs> so, because you can only use $1 once, right? Like you right. can't put $1 to work in two different places. And so by putting it towards this thing here, like, is that what you want to be doing? Or or would you rather be reminded that like financial freedom is the best thing this dollar is actually going to buy you? Like maybe you should reconsider and put it towards that, right? Um, put it to work, invest it and make it grow. Like, um, you know, it's, it's like a really cool reminder. I like I like that concept that your money could be working or you can just buy something and then the money stops working. It goes to work for somebody else, for the person who sold you the thing you just paid for. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so, so much, Tiffany. Um, just to wrap up really quickly, let everybody know where exactly they can find you. I'm obviously going to put all the links and stuff in the show notes, but like where they can find you if they were inspired by your story and they want to reach out, where's the best place to do that? They can find my YouTube channel. It's Tiffany Thomas, your wealth mentor. Or they can go to my Instagram, which is at Wealthy Tiffany. And then I also have my website, WealthyTiffany.com. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. Have an amazing rest of your day, rest of your week. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're obviously, you know, getting a lot of momentum and seeing a lot of success for a reason. So I wish you the very best. Thank you so much for having me. 